Let those last words, you are God and I am not, just let that resonate in your heart and mind for a moment. Man, I'm telling you, I look at across our land right now and I am deeply troubled and disturbed as I know 99% of you in this room feel the same angst, the same tension, the same, what is this world coming to? What is our political world coming to? What's our health community? What's our schools coming to? What, what's, it's like every day is a new, is a new surprise. And, and, and literally uh, uh, listening to this song over and over on replay for the past multiple weeks, just resonating, you're God, I'm not. Wow, thank you. I don't have to bear the load of this. You're God, I'm not. I have to bear the load of what I have to bear, and you have to bear the load of what you have to bear. And part of that is that we've got to pray for our country. We've got to pray for our leaders. We've got to pray for, for what's going on and what's going to go on in the week, weeks and days ahead. And so I just want us to read a verse together today, and then I'm going to voice a prayer. But it needs to, I want to pray with you, and you pray with me in this. So here's the, here's the words in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Read it with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Let's pray together. Father, you're God and we're not. And Father, I look at across the world right now, I look inside of our, our state houses, our schoolhouses, our own homes, and I see such turmoil, such fear, such anger, so much noise. God, would you, would you help us Bring us to our knees if you must. That God, we would realize that you are God and we are not and that we are going to humbly seek you. We're going to turn from the ways that are not in your line with you. And that Father, you will hear and you will heal. You will restore this land. So Lord, we want to begin this new series of messages right where we should, at the throne of God, bringing ourselves first before we throw stones at any party, any person, any politician, that, Lord, we will bring ourselves to you and ask that you would do in us what you need to do in us to make us, right-size us, Lord, that we will know you are God and we are not pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow, what a time that we're living in. I know if you have your head in the sand, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you live anywhere in the stratosphere of of this world, then uh, whether it is political or it is medical or it is education, it's like in every arena of life, and then that has spilt over into homes 
where maybe homes are dealing with sickness and, and, and the virus, or maybe the home is politically divided, or the home is mask divided, uh, whatever the case may be. There's lots of noise and clamor and clanging and fury and sound that is, uh, that is to me, deafening. It's literally so loud, so often, so much, I'm, I, I almost hesitate to turn on the news. I almost hesitate to look at the, the next thing that's out there because it's like 2020 can't get over fast enough, right? Uh, but the thing is, is that there's no guarantee it's going to end uh, at, the, at the start of a new year. So what do we do in all of the noise and the sound and the fury that seems to be gripping and crippling and consuming our society? Because I just want to say, pause on this world for a moment. I need some help, God. You're God, I'm not. One is I need wisdom. I need a, a, a bigger perspective than the perspective that I have in and of myself. Wisdom is one of the first things that, God, I need. I need instruction. I mean, God, show me. Just give me a blueprint. Show me what, what's next. Give me the understanding, God, because this side says this, and this side says this, and my family says this, but I read this article on that. It's like, I need, I need, I need righteousness. I, I need a banner, a standard of what is right. And the, 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 the kind of right that doesn't change with the ages, okay? The kind of right that doesn't change with your political affiliation. The kind of right that is right, okay? The kind of right that's been right since you started the world, God right. I need the timeless rightness of the world. Lord, where's the justice, Killings in the streets and looting and riots. Is it looting or is it rioting or is it demonstrating? What is it? Depends on the label you put on it sometimes. You know, where's the justice in the unjustness of our society? Where's the equity? Where's the equality among races and genders? Where, where is that? Where is the, I need prudence, God. I need, I need the ability to have knowledge of, again, what is truth and what is a lie, insight into, and then discretion. To be able to distinguish that all out there. And, and here we are, listen, listen uh, this was not my plan, it was God's plan this series, and I, I couldn't have orchestrated it this, this well because this was, series was planned literally a year ago when God put this on my heart, knowing just that there might be some noise going on this time of year not having any clue of a virus, not having any clue of school shutdowns, not having any clue of any of the other stuff that's going on, just knowing what little I knew. And then God laid this series on my heart. And here we are, we're 30 days or 31 days, depending on when you start counting, from election day, okay? Third, it's a month. We are down to a month. If you've not registered to vote, and I just, this is, is no scripture on this at all because you don't even find script voting for people uh, in governments in scripture, okay? So I'm just saying to be a good citizen, I think as a responsibility, you, you should vote. If you haven't registered to vote, there's, Halsey's are out in, the, out in the gallery. They've been out there all month. You're stopped by that table. If you don't even know if you've registered or not, they can help you with all of that kind of stuff. And here's the deal. Today is the last day here, and tomorrow is the last day throughout the state. So just keep that in mind. But I come back to those words, wisdom. Where do I get wisdom? Where do I get instruction? Where do I, where do I get these, these words that will help me navigate the noise? Because if I take those words and I try to create some, 
some synchronized, some, something kind of boil all the meat off the bone. What am I seeing here? Really, all these words give definition to one word, the word wisdom. If you take all those words and you point them back to one singular word or concept, and I'll give evidence to this in a moment, but if you just take all those words and those, all those words modify the word wisdom. If we had wisdom, we would have instruction, we'd have understanding and righteousness and justice. We'd have those things that we so desperately need in our society today. Take your Bibles and be finding the book of Proverbs. If you don't already have it or didn't pick up one of our journals on the way in, uh, Bible journals, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, I, I encourage you to take your Bibles, keep them open. We're going to be going for the next two months through the book of Proverbs. There's no way that we're going to cover all the Proverbs. So I'm going to give you a challenge here in a moment. Not yet, I'm going to give you a challenge, but just to think about it, because Proverbs is chock-a-block full of wisdom. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 3, you can read it for yourself in your own time. You'll find where Solomon wrote not only songs, but he wrote Proverbs, 3,000 of them to be exact. 3,000 of which we only have about 1,000. So there's a whole other couple of grand out there of, uh, uh, of Proverbs and nuggets of wisdom and, and, and truth for us to sink our teeth into. And so there's a lot out there, but we have a 1,000. If we could just put our arms around that. then this is how powerful they were. They shaped the world. Drop the mic. His wisdom, inspired by God, shaped the world and is still shaping the world when we tune out the noise of the world and tune in the wisdom of God. And let, me, let me give you the, 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 the basis for that. First Kings chapter 4, verse 34 says this, All the peoples of all the nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. All the nations, all the kings, all, all of them came, the kings of, of the earth, they came and they heard, they, let, they sat at the feet of Solomon. They read from the manuscripts. They read his words. They dissected them. They marinated them. They, they meditated on them. They, they let them sink in. And all the kings of all the world were coming to listen to us. My friends, if you don't take the Proverbs and you don't spend time in there, you will miss an incredible opportunity for wisdom and discretion and prudence and knowledge and righteousness and all those words that we just spoke of. And here's my challenge to you today. My challenge is a 31-day challenge. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I would challenge you to read a proverb a day for the next 31 days. All right, we're going to be doing this for two months, October and November, so you might do it for 62 days and just pick it right back up at chapter 1. And the way you can do that is just p pick a chapter and read it. Or you can do it literally the day's the 4th, start on the 4th, read the 4th chapter today, the 5th chapter tomorrow. That way you'll never get lost. Or start at chapter 1. Well, however you want to do it. We even actually have a devotional that we would like to send those who say this, Mike, for the next 31 days, I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before for our nation. And you want, to sign, you want to be a part of that? We're going to send out this devotional. We're not going to flood your email if you don't want it, so we're going to send it to those who want it. And so if you want it and you say, Mike, I'm ready to, to sign up and I want to be a part of that prayer commitment chain, uh, then here's what you do. You just text 97000, you text NOISE, because there's a lot of that out there, so it should be easy to remember. NOISE to 97000, and that will get you into the loop. And tomorrow morning in your inbox, you'll have the first devotional. We're going to send one out a week. We'll send prayer points out with that, and so that will be coming out. But 
regardless of that, if you sign up for that or not, I challenge you to take 31 days and read a proverb a day for 31 days. So here's what we need to do. With all the noise, there needs to be some tuning out and there needs to be some tuning in. Number one, I think we need to think about what we need to tune out. You need to tune out the noise. If you're going to be able to focus on the the pure, unadulterated wisdom of God Almighty as you make decisions about who you're voting for, as you make decisions about where your kids are going to go to school or not go to school, as you're making these decisions about life, whatever the decision is, you're going to have to turn out all of that ambient noise that continues to rise up out there because there's a lot of it. For me, one of those noise machines that's out there is social media. So I am for the next 30 days turning off all my social media. I know that for some people they might go into hemorrhaging and withdrawals and all that kind of stuff, and I'm already like wanting to go check something out. Or Listen, turn it off. Because if there's anything that's creating more noise in our society today, it is the social media sphere. I know we get on there to voice our opinions, to to make a point, to have a dialogue. It is nothing but a cesspool of ignorance, bubbling up more ignorance. You realize this, the articles that you get in your new feed are because you liked another article, so the algorithms are putting more articles that agree with you. So it's literally stacking ignorance on top of ignorance. You're just reading everything that you like and you agree with, and, and then you're liking that and thinking the whole world's crazy for not thinking like you. That's what social media has done. So I'm turning off, I'm tuning out that element of noise, but I'm also going to tune in. I'm going to tune in to the Proverbs, a proverb a day, reading it regularly, consistently, digesting it, journaling journaling out what God is teaching me, and just leaning in and, and, and listening to what God is saying, because again, you know the noise is rampant out there. It is screaming at us out there. First, uh, Proverbs chapter 1 even says it like this. And by the way, I'm going to throw so many Proverbs at you in this series, you're going to have to keep notes, all right, to, to keep up with all of them if you want to read them. But if you grabbed one of our worship guides on the way in, there's a whole section in the back. You can jot all these verses down. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Wisdom. Remember, that's the key word of all the book of Proverbs. It's actually in the wisdom literatures of the Bible. So it's the wisdom book. So wisdom cries aloud in the street. Wisdom wants to talk to you. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. There's a lot of other people wanting your attention too. There's a lot of other noisemakers. There's a lot of other voices. But what we've got to do is we've got to figure out what are we going to tune out so that we can tune in. Because you can't be tuned into everything. You can only focus on what you're going to focus on and what you give yourself to. And I, so I would pray again. We have these journals out, and we do this from time to time. If you're new to Grace Point, when we're doing a book study, we'll provide these, uh, these journals at just whatever cost it is to us. And uh, it's a literally, you got on one side, you got the text. On the other side, you got blank pages. And you can just take all the notes you want throughout this series. And I'm even going to point things out as I go and say, circle this and, under, and reference this. And so it will be a study guide for you. I also encourage you, as you're trying to get out the noise and trying to focus in on the wisdom, is find a group that is studying through the Proverbs with us. 
I write questions every week that tie to my message. Most of our groups, most of our small groups, are participating in the study of those questions that tie back to the message. So you don't even have to do homework to get there. You just go in and start processing through the message that you've heard, and then you can process it deeper, deeper, deeper into your life. Where did I find one of these groups? This afternoon, we're having a lunch on the lawn. It's tailgate party time. It's going to be a great time just to hang out, okay? And you can, we're going to help you connect with some of those groups. So we're teeing all of this up, whether it's Devo's coming in your inbox or it's journal Bibles or it's, or it's tailgate party to get you into a group. It's not a sales thing. We've got to learn how to turn down the noisy street and turn up the wisdom of God. If we don't do that, what will happen is the noisy street that we get six days out of the week, only for a little 30-minute message on Sunday, there's no way that I will say enough to cover up all the noise that you're getting in your head. So tune in, and also tune in to Jesus in your relationship. Pay close attention. Somebody who's a sound tech will listen for the for the most faint sound, for a reverb that's not supposed to be there, for a, 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 a sound that's not supposed to be there. Well, one of the things you need to pay attention to is what does your relationship with Jesus look like? And if that's kind of fuzzy and that's foggy and that's not clear and that's staticky air, we need to clear that air. And you need to focus in on that. So, here, here what we're going to do. We're going to look today at Proverbs chapter 1. We're only going to look at seven verses. Again, we're not going to cover the whole book. There's no way we can do that. We're going to cover what's called the prologue. I'm going to give you the outline of Proverbs. So if you're a note taker, jot this down. Here's the outline of Proverbs in the most simple way I can give it to you. You got the first seven verses of chapter 1. It's the prologue, what we're going to look at today. Then you got the rest of chapter 1 through chapter 9. It's a to- you'll notice this when you're reading it. It's a totally different writing manner than the rest of the book. This section is a father-son's conversation. Nearly every chapter is a father talking to his son, or it could be a mother talking to a daughter, or vice versa. It's just specifically Solomon writing to a son. We don't know which son. So it's a parent giving wisdom to the next generation. Okay, don't get caught up in the gender. It's a parent giving wisdom to the next generation. Some of you may go, I wish my parent had taught me that. I would have saved some heartache and some headache had that happened. So lean in and let Solomon be your parent today. He was far from perfect, but he has a tremendous amount of wisdom. Then the rest of the book from chapter 10 forward to the very end is little nuggets of densely packaged statements that are proverbial statements. Sometimes they're not longer than one verse, maybe two verses. But when you read the first section, chapter 1 to 9, you'll find the whole sections, chapters that are devoted to, to, to one thought or one narrative. Let's look at the prologue. Follow along as I read. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us who wrote it. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Pretty clear. Doesn't need explanation. Then he jumps in to all those eight to nine words that we read in the very beginning. Wisdom, to know wisdom and instruction. And notice the number of times he uses the word instruction three times in our passage alone today. To understand words of insight, to receive instruction, number two. 
in wise dealing with righteousness and justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying in the words of the wise uh, uh, and, and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And here's the last instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What are we saying here? If we are going to be able to tune out or tune down or turn off or mute or whatever you've got to do to the noise of this world of the clamor and the clang and the bang and the whatever you want to call it in this world, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to turn up. We're going to need to do some sound adjustments here. So let's talk about what we need to adjust. Well, number one, we need to turn up wisdom. Turn up wisdom. Wisdom is going to be the overarching message throughout the book of Proverbs, if you didn't already know that. What is wisdom? It's this elusive kind of word. It's this mystical kind of word. It's, it's not like knowledge. Knowledge is, you can test that, right? You get a diploma because you did the work and got the knowledge. You've proven you have knowledge. But how do you prove you have wisdom? What is wisdom? that I know that I have wisdom. Here's a couple of definitions to hang on. Temper Longman, Old Testament theologian, said it like this. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems before they happen, okay? And the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Problems are going to be there. How do I avoid some and how do I handle the ones that do come my way? It's not a foolproof measure to get out of uh, 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 problems. It just gives you a handle to wisely navigate them. Tim Keller said it like this. It is making the right choice even when there are no clear moral laws telling you explicitly what you are to do. Sometimes we don't have black or white. Sometimes it's gray. And that's when social media fills in. That's when our friends fill in. That's when our family fills in. That's when our family of heritage fills in. The voices in our head fills in the blank. We need to be able to distinguish those out from one another. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book a number of years ago called Living on the Ragged Edge. I think that's a great description for a title for a book on 2020. Living on the Ragged Edge. He said, wisdom is a God-given ability to see life with rare objectivity, and to handle life with rare stability. What is this nugget? What is this thing called wisdom? Well, we're going to put some skin on the bones of that in just a moment, but I want you to elevate the value of it first. You've got to understand the value of it, because when you understand the value of it, then you will do the time, you will do the work, you will set aside the hours, if need be, to get to wisdom. This is what Solomon says wisdom is. If you seek it, it says, if you seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, pretend you're a kid digging in the backyard again. You spend hours in the dirt and the grime. What? To find the buried treasure. What if you treated the Proverbs that way? Proverbs 16, 16, how much better is, is it to get wisdom than gold? Now, remember who said that? the richest king ever to live. I can't even tell you how much this guy is worth. 
But yet he said, I'd trade all the gold that I have for wisdom. That's a pretty powerful statement in and of itself. So what is the jewel of wisdom? Let's real quickly, real quickly, break down these words here. First of all, I want to understand the jewel of wisdom. One, one is discipline, is the word discipline. Now, if you look at the passage again, he, he literally says it in the very beginning, to know wisdom and instruction. That word instruction is the same word for discipline. It's used 36 different times in Proverbs alone. There are 31 chapters. That's averaging more than one a chapter. Do the math. So he's going to use this word over and over again. He's going to use it three times in this one passage. So the word discipline, the word instruction, all tie together, fit together hand in glove. You can't not get away from them. Discipline and instruction. This is what it says in Proverbs 12, verse 1. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge or wisdom. But he who hates reproof is stupid. Parents, the Bible said stupid. I didn't say stupid. All right? I've had parents come to me before, hey, don't say stupid from the stage. Stupid's in the Bible, okay? And there's a lot of stupid in this world. So if we don't tell our kids that they're stupid out there, then they might repeat it. And foolishness is right behind it. And But what he says here is he says, basically, people are stupid or foolish when they don't pay attention. Verse 7 says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's a foolish, stupid act to have somebody give a, a, a discipline to you, an instruction to you. And the idea here is that of a coach to a player. Do they always talk nicely when you run a bad play? No. They're all up in your business. Whenever you drop the ball in life, does your supervisor just say, hey, it's okay, here's a trophy for that? No. We as parents do that. Because we don't see the value of discipline and instruction. But there's sometimes greater value in getting a bad report card that will give you a lifetime. I need to apply myself. You get a bad job performance evaluation? Lean in on it. Learn from it. Consider it as discipline and instruction for your life. Number two is the word discernment. Understanding words of insight is the way the Bible puts it. But the word discernment and insight, they go hand in hand together. That we would have discernment and insight through the the trials of life. I wish life was a mathematical problem like this. Today it's two. Tomorrow it's two. So two plus two. Plus two. And every day was just an add on two more, add on two more. It's not. Man, if it was that linear, if it was that simple math, it's complex. It's trigonometry one day, it's algebra the next day, it's long division the next day. You don't know what you you don't even know what to study for as you get ready for tomorrow's exam. That's the level of the complexity of life. Discernment. It's insight. It gives you the insight to be able to make the decisions when they're not always clear. There's a lot of gray in this world, and I'm a black or white kind of guy, but there's a lot of gray out there, and this world is trying to make more gray, and so what I need to be able to handle the gray is discernment. Tim Keller again said this, discernment is the ability to tell the difference, not just between right and wrong, but between what is good, better, and best. 
See, discernment is the difference between people who play chess or people who play checkers with their life. People who play checkers with their life, you're literally only thinking of the next move. If you play chess, you are able to think of not only your next move, but your next move, and if you're really good, maybe your next move, but you're also anticipating the next move and the next move and the next move of your opponent. Some people just are good about playing checkers when we need to be good about playing chess. Being able to discern and have that level of discernment through the decisions of life. Number three, dealings. The way we deal with people. Notice what he said there. He literally said that. He said, he said to receive instruction, there's the time, the word instruction again, in wise dealings. How I'm dealing with, interacting with other people, how I'm seeing people interacted with. And then he gives us a qualifier to that, that there would be righteousness, justice, and equity. This is why, listen, listen, listen very carefully, why I, as a person who wants to be full of God and his spirit, full of his wisdom, cannot look on this world and just turn a blind eye to injustice. I can't turn my blind eye to inequity. I can't turn a blind eye to unrighteousness. It should get in my crawl so much that it's going to disturb me and drive me to action. You see what I'm saying here? Is that literally wisdom fills you up that you're seeing things, that's right and that's wrong. And listen, I don't care if it is my political affiliation or not. That's right, that's wrong. And you're willing to call it out. You're willing to look at something and say, that's not equity. That's not, that's not just. Standing up for injustice is not a political move. It is a wise move for the betterment of humanity. Solomon's number one time that he is known for in dealing with life and wisdom is in 1 Kings chapter 3, and it was over a custody issue of a child. You read it for yourself. But he had wise instruction in dealing with people. Number four is discretion. I want to show you the three amigos, if you will. The three amigos of wisdom, prudence, knowledge, and discretion. You find it in in chapter 1, verse 4. You also find it in chapter 8, verse 12, in the same order. Every time you find prudence, knowledge, and discretion, they're always in this order. In fact, in first, uh, chapter 8, it says that if I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. So wisdom is here. What is it? It has prudence. It has knowledge. It has discretion. We talked earlier about discernment. What's discernment? It's having insight. Insight in the situation you're in, the decision that's right before you. I'm having insight right here, right now. I should make this move. I should not make this move. Insight. What does prudence, knowledge, and discretion give you? It gives you foresight. This is a game changer. When you have insight, you have discernment. I'm looking at my circumstances right where I'm at right now. I'm making a decision where I am right here and now. When I have wisdom, I also have the ability to have foresight to look into the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But I have the prudence, I have the discernment, the ability to look at something. 
How many times have you heard people make decisions on a career because they're getting a promotion, they're getting more money, they're getting upward momentum on their career paths? How many times you have, have you heard of somebody go, you know what, I'm seeing all the beauty behind that, but I'm also having the insight to know that that's going to take away from my family. Thank you, but no thank you. And they step back. Not in a negotiating tactic to make more money, to get more on the table, but because they knew this, it was going to cost them more than they were willing to pay. It was going to cost them more than they were willing to make their family was worth more. See, that's a person with wisdom, a person who has that foresight, that ability to look ahead. Again, one more verse, Proverbs 22, verse 3, the prudent sees danger. He looks ahead. He has foresight. He sees danger, and he hides himself. Wisdom gives you the cutting edge that you're looking for, the competitive advantage that you long for. It fills in the blanks whenever you're given the exam of life and you don't have all the answers. Wisdom gives you a moral compass so you can make the right choices and it's more valuable than gold. Number two, you need to tune into wisdom, turn up the wisdom, but you also need to tune into Jesus. You knew Jesus had to come into the story, right? Jesus is the answer, right? Well, he has to come in there. Well, he actually does come in there. I'm not just inserting him in here. This will make sense even more next week as I develop what wisdom is in our lives. But leave it there because we need to understand real quickly that there's the wisdom of life. Hear, hear this, the wisdom of life. On this side over here, there's the wisdom of God. There's a lot of people who operate on the wisdom of life, and that's not a bad thing. They, they make mistakes, they learn from them. They learn from other people's mistakes. They listen to people. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, Proverbs says. There's lots of ways you can learn and get wisdom uh, not to make that move, make better moves in life. But that wisdom is also agnostic. You don't have to have God. You just have to have some EQ about you. You just have to be able to be a learner. You just have to have wise people around you and you can pick it up. The wisdom of God is by all means not agnostic. It is divine. And it only happens when there is a relationship with the divine. Verse 7 says it like this. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which is wisdom here. It's the beginning. It's the starting blocks. It's the prerequisite. We're not going to, so many people would like to have wisdom in the decisions of their life, in the relationships of their life, in the mess that they're in. How do I have to get wisdom? They, they make wisdom an idol. And it's not the idol. See, you get wisdom when you know Jesus. It unlocks the door. It opens the, the pathway to. It begins the conversation in. It begins that, that way towards the wisdom that you want in life. Proverbs 2, verse 4 to 6. You need to read it. I read this earlier. I want to read the tail end of it. If you seek wisdom like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Remember that verse? Backyard, digging in the backyard, just like that. You need to go dig up some treasure. That's how we need to treat wisdom. Notice the next phrase. Then you will understand 
the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. See, wisdom becomes an idol when it's only I want wisdom in life. But what you want is you want God. You want Jesus. You want to have a, a, a relationship. What's this fear of the Lord conversation, Mike? I, I think we're supposed to fear and fear. And what's Well, there's multiple kinds of fears in the Bible. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 14, there's the fear over the discipline of God. That's worthy of fear. That's not this fear. Joshua chapter 4, verse 24 talks about a fear of respect, of reverence, of, um, of awe. Where I look at God and I go, God, you, you chose me. You chose to love me. You are holy God. You are perfect. And all of my imperfections are ever before me. And you want to be in a relationship with me? See, that's a fear that you can't be educated in. That happens from inside whenever you understand that he is God and you are not. But yet the God that is there, and I'm pointing there because he's everywhere, okay? That God wants a relationship with you. And see, whenever I get to the point that I don't want to sin, not because I don't want the punishment of God, but I don't want to sin because I don't want to hurt my God. That's the fear of the Lord. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Because then you will be on the way. You'll be stepping into the door of wisdom. You cannot read through Proverbs for 31 days and miss this. 13 different speed bumps along the way will he call us to the fear of the Lord. I want to close by quoting from Oswald Chambers. One of my favorite go-tos, my utmost for his highest, is a go-to for me. He said this, he says, it is the most natural thing in the world to be scared. I want you to hear that, people. This world is scary right now. And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. Now, I have to confess, I have been in a six-month, in a panic, out of a panic, in a fear, out of fear, and not the good kind of fear, anxious, not even wanting to open another email for fear of that other email will nail me with some more bad news or something else. Not want to have another conversation because I'm, it requires so much emotional energy to redeem a, a, a tattered situation. Just exhausting six months. And I know I'm just in the same boat with you. But I like what Chambers goes on to say. He says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Wow. To, to have that relationship that I understand that God is incredible and that he's not out of control, he's in control. And here's, the, here's what we need to understand, that after November the 3rd, Jesus will still be the King of kings and the Lord of lords no matter who is living in the White House. And until we can get to that that grassroots, I don't care if it is a Democrat, I don't care if it is a Republican, I don't care if it's a Libertarian. The reality is that God is still God and I am not. 
And he is still Lord of lords and he is still King of kings. And whenever I can keep my feet grounded in that, then I begin to have an understanding of what it means to have a fear of God and all of his greatness and awe of God, a respect for God. I've been reading through uh, the Old Testament now probably most of the past couple of years I'm all in the Bible, but the Old Testament, been, I'm just enraptured by it right now. And I have been studying now for, for a good while all the times that the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord shows up. It's a unique phrase. And it's one of those that's troubling, mystifying, all rolled up into one. In Proverbs 25, verse 12, it says this, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Who is the man who fears the Lord? Verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. See, when I understand that he is God and I am not, but I also understand that he wants to be my friend, my Savior, my Lord, there is something so powerful in that, so life-transforming in that, I want to run to it. I want to beat all the path to it. Who wouldn't want to be with the God of the universe who wants to instill wisdom in us, himself in us, make us a part of his, 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 his kingdom? Man, if you have never given your life to Jesus, I invite you today to trust him right where you're at. Next Sunday, we're having our baptism. Man, why, this Sunday, declare your faith in Jesus. Next Sunday, Declare your faith out loud that the whole world can see that you're a follower of Jesus. I want to pray for us. Would you bow your heads? Whatever walls, whatever fears, whatever concerns have come between you and God, let me just say this, that the beginning step for you, the first step for you, into the path of wisdom, prudence, discernment, discretion, all those other words. The first step, the beginning, is the fear of the Lord. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ right here, right now, just tell him, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to follow you. And then I encourage you, before you leave here today, find me, tell me about it. You can even, if you're watching online today, text GPC Connect 97000. There's cards in the seat pockets in front of you. Fill it out. Let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. This is not a decision you do in isolation. Father God, you know our hearts. We cannot hide. We cannot hide. Thank you that you want a friendship with us. As we fear you, God, so we put you in the rightful place that you are God and we are not. Father, you begin to enter into a beautiful relationship that infuses us with wisdom and knowledge and instruction and discernment and understanding and justice and righteousness and on and on. Lord, would you do your work here and now in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?